Hello and welcome to the Omniverse Podcast. Boy, things have been crazy around these parts uh, the last week. I'm trying to play catch up and I'm actually succeeding for a change. I uh, got a new post up on 52 Weeks of Indie uh, and I'm even understanding the time shifted nature of podcasting. Uh, whatever at whatever time period you're listening to this, uh, you should go to 52.scottroche.com and see what I have on offer, because I do plan on doing this for the foreseeable future, even into next year. It's uh, been a lot of fun. Also been doing some writing. I got a um, the beginnings of a story down for the Mad Scientist anthology that's being put on by uh, my friends Mike Plested and Jeff Height. I've been doing a fair amount of reading, uh, I've been reading Haywire by Justin McCumber, and I'm hoping to finish that in the next week or so. Uh, I've also had the pleasure of reading The Janus Affair by T and Pip, um, and should have an, an and should have a review of that going up over at FlyingIslandPress.com in the coming weeks. Uh, I want to wait till the launch date of the book gets a little closer before that goes live. <clears throat> but again, whenever you're hearing this. Go ahead on over to flyonpress.com, look for that review, and uh, and go order the book because it's awesome. I can tell you right now, five-star review, guaranteed. Haywire, probably a four, possibly a five. We'll see how he does, but definitely worth your time. So all of that to say that things have been crazy, but I've been trying to stay on top of things. Um, so this podcast is a couple days late, but that's not a big deal. Uh because again, time shift and all that, you're probably not listening to these when they come out anyway. Uh, this particular story was written as part of a prompt for, or it was inspired by a prompt from the news from Poughkeepsie, which was a thing that uh, Jared Axelrod was doing on Mer Lafferty's blog a while back. And it's available as part of a couple of anthologies that I have up on Amazon and Smashwords, so look for links if you like the story. I think you'll like the anthologies that they're part of. Uh, the whole werewolf thing is one of my favorite horror trope, this whole transformation, and uh, this is a combination of the werewolf and the Wild West, so it's a Wild West werewolf story. So, uh, I, I really hope that you enjoy it, and uh, if this gets enough positive reception, I do plan on writing more in this particular world with these characters in the future, because it's a concept that I am rather fond of. But uh, anyway, uh, without further ado, I will let the reader introduce himself, and stick around for the promo for the Type 40 podcast that'll be at the end of the show, and we will see you next week at the Omniverse. This story is being read by Bronze Thumb. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can find me at the Critical Myth Podcast, www.criticalmyth.com, or at the Type 40 Podcast, www.thetype40podcast.com, both of which can also be found on iTunes. Changes by Scott Roche the loud knock on my door startled me out of my reverie, and I went to answer. Lo and behold, it was Sheriff Jeremiah, with a body slung over one shoulder. I could smell the gunpowder clinging to them both, and the unfortunate tang of silver underneath it all. 
Protocol and wisdom demanded that Jeremiah's gun be loaded with the deadly metal. Thankfully, over the years, we determined how much of it was necessary to merely incapacitate, rather than kill. I saw, much to my chagrin, that he carried Zack. Set the boy down over there. I pointed to the table on one wall of my consulting chamber. The words weren't needed, since this was hardly our first time through this waltz. He nodded, and did as he was asked. Called him Miller Sheepfold. He had too much to drink earlier today, and decided to help himself. He lowered the body to the table and strapped him down. The restraint system would do the trick. It always did. He had also been beaten pretty badly. I held nothing against the sheriff for that. He had done what he'd had to do, and the boy was still alive, after all. I took my bag and removed the scalpel, using it to cut away the shirt, already ripped in places due to the bulk put on it by the change. Unconsciousness returned him to his god-given form, though, and my cuts revealed pink skin. There was one wound in his right shoulder. Silently, I plied the tools of my trade and with little effort removed the offending slug. Thankfully, it was in one piece. I dropped it in a steel tray, making sure to leave my instruments with it so they could be decontaminated. This ain't going to be the last time you seem like this, Doc. I nodded as I moved to retrieve needle and thread. Perhaps you were right, Jeremiah. Perhaps not. I peered at him over my spectacles. You were once like this young man, and not so long ago. The lanky native returned my nod. Luna's truth. Weren't for you, I'd be in the ground right now. You gonna save him too? The weight of my position as healer, both of bodies and souls, bore down on me. That's his decision to make. I will talk with him. Try to make him see the nonsense he's gotten himself into. Jeremiah walked around to stand at the foot of the operating table. He had help. The Jonas boys. I sighed. I've heard he's running with them. A few stitches, fewer than a pure human would need, hold the wound closed. Don't you worry about them, Doc. They're a lost cause. Their bodies will be under Boot Hill by breakfast tomorrow. Zack's eyelids fluttered open, and the last actions that the body was undertaking were remembered first. He struggled against the bonds, but they held fast. The leather creaked in a mild protest, and that was all. After a few minutes, he remembered himself and lay still. His look went from angry to confused to sheepish. Hey, Doc. The whiskey smell mixed with the sheep's blood on his breath nearly gagged me. Separately, the two odors were pleasing enough, but not so much when commingled. Hello, Zack. I nodded down at him. If I let you out, there will be no more foolishness? He shook his head, hair tossed with enthusiasm. No, sir. I unbuckled the restraints, aware of Jeremiah's presence behind me. Sheriff, I'll return him to you, when we're done, if that's okay. Sure, Doc. I'll be down in the jail. I heard the door open and close behind me. Satisfied that we were alone, I stepped back and gestured for him to get off the table. Have a seat, young man. This talk is long overdue. Zack climbed down, trying to arrange his ripped shirt to cover himself. His fingers brushed the area I had sutured minutes before. Why'd you stitch me up, Doc? The silver I left in your wound will keep it from healing completely. I want you to remember that any antics you get into have consequences. Now sit down.
I tried to soften the edge in my voice. Anger hooded his eyes. You didn't clean me out? Thanks, you old... He paused. Thanks, Doc. All the same to you. I'm going home. He started to follow the lawman. My growl surprised even me. It's not often I give voice to my lupine half. When I do, it's been said to cause some grown human men to faint. He had the common sense to stop, though I could see the small hairs on the back of his neck stand up. Sit down, young man. My voice was firm rather than angry. This time he sat, picking the smaller of the two chairs in the space reserved for my counselling sessions. What do you want? His cheeks reddened, and he was actually able to meet my eyes. He was angry, though at me or himself I couldn't say. I sat in my chair, keeping his gaze. I want you to think for a change. You are embracing the worst of our natures instead of the best. We don't attack the animals that belong to others. We don't drink more than we can handle and let that cause us to be foolish. It's bad enough that we have to be here. We don't have to give them the satisfaction of knowing that they're right. I nodded east in the general direction of what passed for civilization. Zack's bald fist beat the arm of his chair. You're the one that's denying who you are, Doc. Wolf takes what it wants and so do real men. I took a deep breath. It wasn't the first time I'd heard this sort of talk. Plenty of our young men were angry. They came here without family, without any resources, and banded together, teaching each other the ways of life. Is that right? Tell me, Zack. Would your father approve of this? I gestured, encompassing his appearance. Oh, Doc, you know I didn't know my father. He looked at the clean pine floor. So instead of coming to me, you listen to a lot of useless whelps, and drink too much, and stir up trouble. Is that what you want to be? A drunken rabble-rouser? My words were coloured by the anger I now felt coming on strong. I was in control now. Always in control. Not so much the boy across from me. You don't understand, Doc! His words became mushy, his teeth crowded, his jaw and his voice deepened. You don't know. His eyes flashed red. Before he could leave the chair, my hand moved and gathered the silver-headed cane that leaned against my reading table. I kept it there, head down, just in case. The weighted end came out and struck him in the jaw. Bone cracked, and the smell of scorched hair and flesh filled the air. I was surprised to see that my own thick white pelt covered the skin of my hand. I hadn't felt the change happen. My own anger had almost gotten the best of me. I willed the hair back and saw it recede. I placed the cane back on the floor and stood, looking at Zack. He lay there, once again looking for all the world like his man, clutched his jaw and moaned pitifully. I swiftly unbuttoned my shirt. Oh, I understand. Even in human form, I was uncommonly histute. White hair covered my chest and belly, except for long, double scars. They went from shoulder to hip, crossing over my sternum. My own father gave me this, and left me to die in the woods. He rejected me. My wife rejected me. My life became nothing. I lost more than you can understand. I held out a hand to him, letting my shirt hang open. 
After a few more seconds of whimpering, he stood with my help. Sorry, Doc. He nodded at the scars. I didn't tell you that so you'd be sorry for me. I clapped him on his shoulder. And I don't want you to waste time feeling sorry for yourself, either. You are a wonderful creation. Luna loves you. I love you. I want to be a father to you, if you want me to. There was still a coal of anger in Zack's eyes. Some of it was likely at me, but I knew that most of it was directed at himself. He hated what he was. We all did at first, unless we were unhinged. That anger changed to resolve as we stood looking at each other. I'm not a mind reader, but I could see the familiar gears turning. He was probably thinking about those young men he'd been associating with. I hoped he found their quality wanting. He held out a hand. I took it. Thanks, Doc. I do. I nodded. Good. First, you need to go down to the jail. Then you need to do whatever Jeremiah tells you. The Millers are good people and you did them wrong. When you've done that, you can come back here and we'll talk about what it means to truly change. He pulled himself into my arm and hugged me fiercely. We held the embrace for a moment, and then he backed away and dropped his hands to his side. The place where I had clubbed him looked bad, and it too would scar up. He needed those scars, as I needed mine. We needed to know our weaknesses, earn our badges, before we could really be different. Without another word, he left. I buttoned my shirt and turned to the sideboard. There were the pictures of the boys and even a few girls that I had been a surrogate father to over the years. Jeremiah's picture was there. Others hadn't made the change. And together I and my pack had put them down. I had a good feeling about this one, though. Zack could do it. It wouldn't be easy. But with the good ones, it never was. Do you want to come with me? Because if you do, then I should warn you. You're going to hear all sorts of things. A very informal roundtable discussion. Fans from the past. I'll be the old classic series curmudgeon fan. Australians from the future. So the Australian is actually in Australia? A guy from Kentucky? I am not from Kentucky. It won't be short, it won't be work safe, and it won't be on topic. We're too lazy to bleep. But I'll tell you what it will be. It's not going to be your typical Doctor Who podcast. The trip of a lifetime. Those Daleks are so cuddly. Everybody needs Pretty to much shook from uh, I did run. convince someone to knit the 14 foot scarf. A little ever be Mark Gatiss, I yeah, since him a when hug. does the master wear I a hoodie? Children, they yeah, I think it's the doctor and then it's But back to Doctor Who. The Type 40 Podcast. Find us on iTunes or at www.thetype40podcast.com.